Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. It's about time because we're going there. Hi, family. Welcome back to We're Going There. I'm your host, Bianca Waters-Oltoff, and today we're tackling a tough topic. I mean, we can't call the show We're Going There and shy away from life's letdowns, now can we? Somebody once said this very joyous expression, expectation is the root of all heartache. Yeah, that's what I hear when I hear that quote. The quote summarizes the truth that when we experience disappointment, our hopes and expectations are out of line with what people refer to as our reality. But don't let that get you down. We feel this way from time to time. And some of these disappointments, they won't make much of a difference in your life, but there are also disappointments that could actually change the course of our life. And that's what I want to talk about today. The way that we handle disappointment is most likely related to our developmental history, as in our relationship with our parents and who educated us when you were young or early formative experiences. According to a Harvard Business Review article, some people seek to avoid disappointment by turning into underachievers. They unconsciously set the bar low and avoid taking risk to prevent themselves or others from being disappointed. But see, here's the problem. Without realizing it, they've decided that the best strategy is not to have high expectations about anything. Why? Because this behavior turns into a form of self-preservation. But let it be known, it also leads to a mediocre and unfulfilled life. Ironically, these type of people often turn into disappointments for everyone, including themselves. Others, following a very different trajectory, and this is kind of where like I land, but I'm trying to find more of like a balance, is that the other side of the pendulum swings to seek to avoid disappointment by becoming overachievers. Although they tell themselves that their expectations of perfection are appropriate and realistic, these presumptions turn out not true at all, right? So the bar is set so freaking high that no matter what they do, they're never able to achieve what they believe is attainable. They forget that perfectionism rarely begets perfectionism, or if I'm honest with you, satisfaction. Instead, it often leads to disappointment. That's why this conversation today with guest Jordan Lee Dooley is so important. Jordan honestly and candidly walks us through business blunders, a miscarriage of a baby, life's disappointment, and other moments in life that were almost awesome. Unpleasant and sucky as disappointments may be, we can always learn something from them. To manage disappointment, we need to differentiate between situations that fall within our control and factors that are beyond it. Being able to recognize the difference will help us deal with our frustrations more appropriately. See, this is the truth, and this is what I want us to walk away with today. Disappointment is not meant to destroy us. If taken in stride, it can strengthen us and make us better. In spite of its devastating emotional impact that it could have on our life or our memories, we can often consider encounters with disappointment as journeys towards greater insight and wisdom as we mature. But to be able to make these journeys of self-reflection and reevaluation meaningful, we need to look beneath the surface. It's only by working through painful situations and experiences that we will be free from them. So in spite of whatever disappointing experiences that come your way or my way, our challenge will be to not let this bitterness take root in our heart. We would do well as to keep in mind that although disappointment is inevitable, 
being discouraged is always a choice. Our guest today, Jordan Lee Dooley, is a national best-selling author, speaker, CEO of Own It Academy, and host of She, a top-rated podcast for women. Her mission is to help women live their purpose and create a livelihood doing what they love so they could leave a legacy. Not only is she super ambitious, this woman is incredibly talented, so much so that she's been featured on Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Success Magazine's 30 Under 30 list, and so much more. I can't wait for you to learn how to embrace your almost because disappointment doesn't have to end in disaster. Jordan, I'm so excited that you are on the podcast and your life is crazy right now, and yet we get to (laughs) have some time to hang out together. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. Okay. So we've actually never met in real life, but we met digitally two years ago when I was on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. So we've communicated online and that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I am so excited because now I get to welcome you to, we're going there. So thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. I really admire your work and always have. So it's always fun to get to connect. Okay. So the last time we had like a a long form conversation like this, I mean, so much has changed for you and I'm, I love alliteration. So they all begin with B. So you wrote a book, um, was it in 2019? Uh, it published in 2019. Yeah. So in 2019, own your every day came out. So a book Mm -hmm. business own Mm -hmm. it Academy also sprung Mm -hmm. out of that. And girl, you are a hustler and entrepreneur. And then (laughs) for those that followed you online, we got to celebrate with you and you having a baby. So it was book business baby. But then this was the one thing that I just, I have always had admiration for you, but you walked. Oh, wait, hold on. There wasn't a baby that was born. I know. That might be one thing to edit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you walk through this season and you walk through it so beautifully, so painfully, Mm. and so honestly. So Mm. though this baby didn't get to live on earth, this Mm. beautiful baby was inside of you. And how how you walked through miscarriage was, Mm. one of the things that I valued is that it's such a private moment. No one would be hurt or Mm. upset. Well, I mean, some people would be hurt or upset if you didn't tell them, but like, they're weird. Exactly. Exactly. Making about them. But like, I think most people would be understanding and have grace Mm -hmm. for your grieving process. The Mm -hmm. way that you grieved was so uniquely you and so Mm -hmm. beautiful and you invited people in, but it felt like this very like safe moment. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a great place to start because what is coming out of you now and the words that are coming out of you now and the things that you're producing Mm -hmm. right now, it's around this concept of almost like what happens Mm -hmm. when you are disappointed or disillusioned, Mm -hmm. or maybe there's like a delay, what Mm -hmm. wisdom can you share in this season of your life? Mm -hmm. So I know that you've experienced this personally, but I want, I want you, girl, you unpack we're going in deep. We're jumping in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. But what does absolutely. it look like for those that kind of feel like I get her and that's where I'm at. Mm. And then you just kind of feel stuck there. Right. Or it just yeah. keeps happening. Um, I, w- I want to first say thank you for the way that you said that too. I've never heard someone say it like that because so often it's almost like people say you had a loss and it's like, yes, but there was also a baby. So I love how beautifully you, you put that. I was a little bit like confused at first, but I think that's a beautiful way to say it. Um, but anyway, I would say one of the, I mean, there's a lot of things I can share. So just feel free to take any direction you want. But I think one of the biggest things that came out of season of actually multiple losses for me was this. Wait, can uh, we cry? Can we be, can we be nosy? It's called we're going there. So I feel like when you talk about like losing 
losing life and a life mm-hmm. that you've created is one thing, but I, you have mentioned this a couple of times, but for those that are not familiar with like the full story, you yeah. have like a number of like almost moments. Totally. What, what do they include? So we know like the yeah. depth of this. So I will give you like the overview of the last five years that I pulled most of these, most of the stories in the book from. Um, it started actually before we were married. My husband and I were pursuing a dream together. He was in and out of the NFL. He played for the Steelers for a little while. Two weeks before our wedding, he was cut. Um, and that was one of those things where we were so close we could taste it. He was on a team. He had played a preseason game. Um, so that was more of like in the career professional side of things. And then um, we got married. He kind of started working out again, trying to get back on another team. We actually moved to his hometown so he could train with his coaches. And he was going to go to the showcase, this camp, to try to get picked back up. And four or five weeks before that camp, he had an emergency appendicitis and couldn't work out, couldn't train, couldn't do anything for like six weeks after that. Um, and so that was kind of like God kind of seeming to close that door. So it was one of those almost where like that almost worked out. We were like, we had the contract, we had everything. And then it just kind of all like got ripped away. So that was one um, more professional dream. And then um, another one was obviously going through multiple pregnancy losses, especially um, I think what was interesting is I had gone through one and then I was in the process of writing this book at that time, like in the beginning stages of like outlining a manuscript and stuff. And then um got pregnant again pretty quickly after that. Um, and so, and I carried like past the 12 week mark. So we thought we're in the clear, like everything's good. So I had actually turned in a manuscript that was this kind of cliche message of like, if things don't work out, just get up and try again. Um, and I was, I kind of penciled in this like redemption story that appeared to be happening. And then a week after turning in my manuscript, I went to the doctor, I was right in the beginning of the second trimester and they told me I had lost another and it was like jarring and it was devastating. I mean, there's so many awful, like awful things that happened in that experience. Um, but those were two back to back, like almost, and almost mm-hmm. don't even feel like the appropriate word. Like it was also gut wrenching and so many other awful things. Like that doesn't compare to like not getting the job you want, but there was these deeper, like that was a very life changing experience for me. And, and it really influenced even the message of the book because the book originally wasn't about the almost the book was about like, a totally different thing. And I just kind of happened to share those stories. And then it hit me like, what do you do when you get up and try again and you do the thing that all the cliche messages tell you to do and you keep running into brick walls and things keep going wrong. Um, and so anyways, at that point, especially when I got into the second trimester and thought like I'm in the safe zone in six months, we're having a baby. Like (laughs) that was a really jarring experience. So those were the two really big, deep life-changing almost, I would say, or like kind of uh, curveballs that I didn't anticipate to walk through at a young age. Um, And then that kind of led to some other things because those experiences, and I'm sure you can relate to this in some way or another, I think suffering and the refining fire of suffering has a way of redefining what success means for us. And so Mm -hmm. I started to shift priorities, goals, like it just shifted what I actually was pursuing, what I cared about. And so one of the other big things that happened in our life is But later that year, we chose to sell our home that we thought was going to be like the home we raised our family in, our dream home. Um, And we had started to do renovations and projects and things that felt like um, we were kind of, you know, prepping this home for what we wanted it to be. And then after going through those losses, there was not only a lot of painful memories there, but we also began to reevaluate our priorities and why we were doing what we were doing. And we realized like renovating a home and trying to be Chip and Joanna Gaines and also build businesses (laughs) and try to get to the bottom of what's going on health-wise and have families or have a family like, and grieve and do all the way. We were like, this house is such a stressor, like trying to renovate bathrooms at an old home. And like, and it was on three acres. So maintain three acres. Like it was just so 
stressful for us. And so we kind of had to make the difficult decision to let that go. And that was indifferent kind of almost because it didn't happen to us. We actually chose to do that. Um, and so, but we had to, we did that to try to live more aligned with our priority in that season, which is to limit stress, take care of our health, try to get to the root of what's going on. So it was hard to part with. It felt like the death of a dream a little bit. Like this was going to be the home I painted white and put my front porch on and raise my babies in. And I'm now willingly letting it go. Like, so almost can look, these are just a few examples. There's various other ones in the book, but sometimes it looks like letting go of a good thing to focus on the right things. Um, Sometimes it looks like something really precious being taken from you in the most awful and gut-wrenching way. And sometimes it looks like, dang, we just missed out on that. We were so close to that career opportunity to that, you know, next level. Um, and it just didn't quite work out. So it can happen in relational ways or, and through loss, or it can happen just through a disappointment or a, or letting go of a dream. So those are a handful of things that kind of have happened over the last several years that influence. Okay. Okay. There's so much to unpack here and (laughs) your, your nonchalance really is a testament to just your strength because Mm -hmm. you, I mean, for those that are new to hearing this part of your story, you at the age of what, 25 were like, I was 25 at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See girl, I can't memorize scripture or my social security number, but I remember like <laughs> hallmarks in your life. Go figure. Um, but one of the things that I mean, you're very entrepreneurial, are you an Enneagram three? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're so three, you're a 33 girl. Like, I don't even <laughs> think you have a wing. You're just, you just three. So you're this amazing achiever. You're an entrepreneurial, you are creative. You're a hustler. Okay. Talk to me. I want to go back to, it's not just, there's been a, a string of losses, um, a string mm-hmm. of almost a string mm-hmm. of even decisions. Like you had mentioned with like mm-hmm. the house reno and stuff. So What's the mind shift for somebody yeah. like you? Because I know that there's people, people like me, who well, I'm an Enneagram seven, so pain and loss, I mean, it will do me in, you know? Mm-hmm. So for somebody out there that's listening and be like, wow, how did Jordan get mm-hmm. over this and just, mm-hmm. you know, find a new way? So take me on, like, was there a mental mind shift? Did you tell mm-hmm. yourself something? What were some of the things mm-hmm. that just encouraged you to continue to not be cliche, but get back mm-hmm. up? Um, I will say... Uh- this, the, the first time with, so through the first loss specifically, um, it seemed like a fluke. It was like, I'm young, I'm healthy. Every doctor's like, Oh, it's not going to happen again. Must've been a bad egg. Right. Um, when it happened again, when I was much further along and then in the book, I share more of the story, but I had a lot of like complications from surgery physically, like so many issues afterwards, there was something in me that snapped. I mean, truly, like I lost my marbles, went off the rocker, like kind of went off the deep end there for a little while. And I don't mean like in an, I just mean in like such a grieved way and yeah. such a like confused way. So it was at first, it was ugly. I mean, it was really ugly. My husband's like, we need to see a therapist. I'm really scared. Like it was like, <laughs> it was definitely at that, at that point. And I look back on some of the reactions that I had to certain things and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't even recognize myself. And when you walk through trauma, um, you don't know how you're going to respond until you're in it. Um, so there was definitely a time where it was not pretty and it, and it still can be, I don't know that it's ever something you kind of get over. It's just something you move through and live with. Um, but I think for me, because I think, I guess going back to after my first loss, it was just kind of like, okay, let's just get back at it. Let's just, I kind of wanted to like replace what I had lost. Mm. It's kind of what I jumped into. And then when it happened again, and it was even like more complicated and more difficult on my body and it was all these issues, I had to like pump the brakes and I had to be like, I need space and time, not only to heal physically, but to like process this and deal with this. And so we did a variety of different things. I mean, I spent time with a, con- with a counselor, both as an individual and with my husband. 
we tried to get back plugged back into a church community because we had been traveling so much and so busy that we just had kind of lost some of that for a little while. Um, but we didn't do that all right away. I mean, it took a few months for me to even be willing to like do that and consider that. And then just over time, I started meeting with different women from my church. I um, processed a lot like through writing and through journaling and just kind of worked through a lot of that. I had a lot of big questions. Actually, I will say a pivotal piece in my kind of like, I don't want to say journey to like accepting what I had just experienced, but not entirely shutting that out. Cause I mean, I was, I was pissed and I just, I hope I can say that, but like, just to be honest, I was, um, (laughs) because I felt like he had given me, he had given me signs to think everything would be okay. I felt like he had spoken to me, spoken things that really were affirming. And then it was like, you, that was, you were so teed up to like flex your big muscle and like make a beautiful redemption story. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then I felt like it was just like, he just chose not to. Right. So I struggled with my faith a lot, um, more than I ever have. And it was Lisa Bevere who called me out of the blue. And I ignored her call like five times, I think, because I was like, I do not want to deal with a spiritual person telling me all the Christian things. Like that's where I was at. I love that. When I finally answered, we ended up having like a two-hour conversation. And I hardly knew her. We just had like a few mutual connections and whatnot. We had a two and a half hour conversation or something like that. And I left that conversation feeling like the weight of bitterness and anxiety. I mean, I could hardly breathe for like weeks and it was for the first time I could like take a deep breath and like feel God. Um, after I left that conversation, that was where I started on my healing journey, but it had, it took about a year to a year and a half to really get to the point where I felt like me again, but a more mature and refined version of me. So I guess I just, I share that very honestly, because I don't want anyone to look at my story and think you bounce back quick. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I didn't. I've taken a lot of time and done a lot of therapy and talked to a lot of people and have had a lot of nights crying and asking why, like it's a process, you know, it's truly been a marathon, not a sprint. So for somebody who is um, so goal-oriented, you have accomplished and achieved so much. When there is a loss or there's a setback, what is a great question that we should be asking ourselves when we decide I'm going to make a goal or I'm going to make a plan mm-hmm. after we've mourned, after we therapized, mm-hmm. after we've prayed, after we've done yeah. all that, what is yeah. a great starting point for your yeah. New beginning. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think anything that shifts your perspective, like suffering really starts to make you reconsider what am I doing and why, like mm. what, what goals are right for me? What am I? It really made me rethink a lot of things I cared about professionally, arbitrary goals. I had set things I thought were important, you know, revenue goals or bestseller lists or things that I just thought really mattered. Even though I knew in the back of my mind, like that's not ultimately what matters. You can get caught up in a lot of that as an mm, achiever. Yeah. And I think suffering and losing something that's like irreplaceable certainly shifted my perspective on that. And so I started considering all my professional goals or aspirations or things that I wanted to do. And I asked what I call now the single most important question. And that question is why? And not necessarily like the, what's your why? Like that's kind of like that cliche business advice (laughs) and whatnot that we get. Not not, not like the big general why. I mean like why to every single thing you've said yes to or think you want to do. So Mm. I started like, for example, one time my husband and I, a couple months after our losses, were sitting in my office and kind of replanning my year for like the 50th time. Because another almost was that we had like business plans and then COVID hit and blew everything up. So that was another one in the midst. (laughs) It was in between the two losses. Like it was a lot in that year. Anyway, after all of that happened, we had sat down and we were making plans for my, my work and everything else. And he pointed to something, a project that I had. And he goes, what do you want to make on this project, like financially? And I just threw out some big number that I thought sounded good. And he goes, okay, awesome. Why? 
And I remember thinking, like, he wasn't asking it in like a condescending way. He was just genuinely curious. And I was like, what do you mean? Why? And he's like, well, like, why do you think that's the amount that you want to make on that? Like, is there like, is that tied to a specific goal? Is that tied to a bigger purpose? Or is it just a number that you think sounds good? And I was like, I think it's just a number I think sounds good. <laughs> and for the first time I was challenged to really consider, to define enough and to say, what's, what am I pursuing and, and why am I pursuing it? If I can't give a clear a- answer to that and it's not tied to something bigger, then I'm going to pursue a lot of arbitrary things and expend a lot of energy doing things that may not actually be in alignment with my calling or may not be something that I should be investing in. And so I started really evaluating all the things I thought I wanted to do professionally or that I thought were important or that I thought were you know, goals. And to some of them, when I asked why, there was a clear answer. And I was like, okay, then you can stay. And some of them I, I would answer, well, I don't know, because I got a Facebook ad that told me that would be a good thing to do. You know, like I didn't really have a clear or it sounds good or because I want to double what I did last year. No real like eternal life-giving reason. other than, you know. And so I just started to evaluate those things. So if you find yourself walking through, if you're an achiever or you've gone through something hard that's kind of shifted your perspective, a really helpful like question to ask is why? To every single one of your goals, aspirations, ambitions, audit what you actually think you really want. Because I think we get so caught up in things because the world's constantly saying you can have it all. Mm. And I think that makes us think we should want it all, which then makes us chase arbitrary goals because we saw our sister do it. We saw a Facebook ad that talked about it. Somebody mentioned it on Instagram. Like, And before we know it, we're chasing these things that just look shiny and cool, but don't actually hold eternal value. Yep. Um, and so that was really where suffering kind of started making me ask those kind of questions. Okay. So um, I, have, I have a sister, her name is Jasmine. And she's always pushing me to think differently in regards to business. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine was talking about success and she's like, Bianca, I want you to mm-hmm. identify like, what is your dream day? And so I mm-hmm. literally, from the moment I woke up from the, to the moment I went to bed, that was what I was determining mm-hmm. as success. And the reason why she made me go through that exercise was so that I would be able to success is this elusive thing, right? Yeah. Where, you know, it's nothing's ever enough. And when we get it, when we really know that that success that we haven't identified and articulated what it is. And so we went through this exercise Mm -hmm. and I started realizing how much I had been blessed and how many prayers God had answered in my Mm -hmm. life because the things that I had dreamed about what would seem awesome and what would seem like success I had been able to identify. Now you had said something mm-hmm. earlier that I latched onto and I want to circle back to it when yeah. you said something about redefining success. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I don't know if they're the same thing, but mm-hmm. how does re-identifying success and redefining success, mm-hmm. how does that help in like the process of embracing this almost season? I think ultimately it comes down to, it allows you to lean into more of what actually matters to you and less of what doesn't. Because I think we think some things matter to us again, because of good marketing, because we've been told this is what success is, or this is what, this is what'll make you happy. And you might actually get into that and go, you know, I don't actually care to be number one in my company. Why am I pushing so hard for that? I just want to do good. I just want to do well at my job and be a good, make a good impact, you know, like, or, you know what? I don't actually care to be to be breaking glass ceilings or, you know what? I'm actually really content with having a $500,000 business. Why do I think I need to triple that? You know, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be like, yeah. and so, and it's not that, that's not to say settle, but I think we've been told, or maybe you might find like, actually, I've been told my whole life I should want to have a family, but I don't know that that's actually a desire of my heart. Like mm-hmm. whatever that may look like. Yeah. Um, 
I think why I say redefining success is because I think sometimes we arbitrarily add things that we think are what makes a complete life because we've been told that by good marketing, by other people's expectations for us, um, by our own expectations, because we thought that's what we wanted until we actually get honest with ourselves. And we sit down and we, we really look at what do I actually value? What really matters to me? Why does that really matter to me? how can I make sure everything that I'm doing and the time that I'm spending and everything that's on my plate is actually in alignment with that. And a lot of times that's a hard thing to say in Christian circles, because then they're like, well, isn't it about what God wants for you? And my answer to that is, yeah. And if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, your desires of your heart are going to look more and more like his desires for you. So they should be in alignment. Yeah. Sorry. Like it's, it shouldn't be this conflicting thing. So I don't think it's wrong to ask, what do I actually want? What do I actually value? Why do I value that? Is it for a bigger reason than just it sounds good or someone else did it? And as you go through that process, you start being able to lean more into the things that matter most and yeah. say no to or lean away from the things that you don't actually value. Okay. I'm just going to pause for a second because it's so rare when I meet somebody that talks as fast or faster than <laughs> I do. I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, is this the way people, is this the way I sound? Because I'm listening to you and you're just like, this is all so good. And my mind's just like trying to tick through and, and like absorb Jordan. I'm here for it. Wow. No, I impressed. have to like actively try to slow down. And then sometimes I I oh, I do the same do thing not. in preaching, but I'm listening to you yeah. and I'm like, oh, she's just like spitting fire. Yes. <laughs> okay. So for those that I go, I, I'm using your life as a reference point because I know mm -hmm. that somebody here is totally going to understand with like this waiting season mm -hmm. or the almost and mm -hmm. the disappointment, disillusionment, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the big mm -hmm. D's in life that come when yeah. we don't get what we think that we're going to get. Mm -hmm. Not that we expect mm -hmm. it, but you know, mm -hmm. whether it's a promotion yeah. or a baby or goals, yeah. you know, marriage, mm -hmm. whatever it is, fill mm -hmm. in the blank. But like yeah. think in between, we're, we're going to go there. So let's think about the loss in between baby mm -hmm. A and baby B and the writing mm -hmm. of the book. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole season of pain and loss in between mm -hmm. that. Like what do we do in that mm -hmm. waiting period? when it's the almost, but not yet. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about that. Yeah. Um, I think you first have to be really honest and work through the like frustration of that. I think that's something that we don't give ourselves permission to do or that we don't get permission to do as Christians. And that's what like the whole reason I wrote this book is because I wanted it to be two things. I wanted it to be both a hopeful anthem and also like a validating friend, because I think we can simultaneously do what we can to make the most of that season and seek contentment, but also it can still be really hard. Like I put it like this. I say, you can choose joy and trust God and be grateful and make the most of the middle. And it can still suck. Like I think about <laughs> Paul in prison. Like I do. And Paul's the guy who wrote, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. Yeah. Right. But I can guarantee you when Paul was in prison, was in prison, he wasn't just like, I love it here. It's great. Right. No, he was probably like, I'm going to let God use this for his glory and do everything I possibly can, but I cannot wait to get the heck out of here. So you can simultaneously aim for where you still want to be and long for that and do what you can to be used and make the most of the time that you're in, in the prison, in the holding yeah. cell, in the waiting season. Yeah. Um, so a large part of this book is meant to be a guidebook of like, how, but how do you make the most of that place? Like actively, because I think we've often viewed contentment as like sit around, sing Kumbaya and read your Bible. Right. And it's like, okay, but what can that like practically look like? And so some of the things I call it like a boot camp season, it's preparation for the, whatever, wherever God's going to take you, whether it's into the season you want to be in or the season he's designed for you. And sometimes those two look the same and sometimes they don't, but I've really had to learn what does it look like to make the most of the middle? Because the reality is most of our life is spent in the middle. We live for the mountaintop moments. We aim for those. But like most of our life is a journey to the next milestone, to the next season, to the next achievement, to the next promotion, to the next goal. So if most of your life is lived in the middle, 
how do you make sure you're living that really well? Because you're not spending the majority of your time on a mountaintop, right? I give a lot of practicals, such as one thing that really helped me, which is often surprising, was to serve in the middle and serve in creative ways. And even in the place of my pain, I actually had a friend who was single for several years. I got married very young. And so I was one of the first of my friends to get married, but several years went by and by like her fourth or fifth year into this like singleness journey, she was like really struggling with loneliness. And she shared with me one time that she started volunteering at a nursing home. And I remember thinking like, why did you choose that? You know, she said, because I'm struggling with loneliness. And I felt like if I could show up for other people who are struggling with loneliness, that would feel impactful for me and like a way God could use wow. my season of loneliness. And I was so touched by that. And so that really influenced me. And so a couple of years later, like we ended up walking through the losses. And after going through some of the healing process, we started volunteering with a program called Safe Families. And we started taking yes. in like literal newborns and babies yes. in need who needed a safe place. And I thought I was absolutely crazy. I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying yes to this. And it was the most healing thing. It was literally like God himself took his finger and like touched that last corner of my heart that was still like so hardened and angry. Like I'd mm. healed a lot, but there was that one little pocket that was like, I'm still kind of mad and confused though. And when I had the first newborn at my house, like, and was up in the middle of the night with her and all of that, it's like the most sanctifying thing you can do sometimes is serve in the place of your greatest pain. So that's one oh. like hard one, but that's definitely something you can do. And there's something like really it's like how you move in the meantime. You know what I mean? So serving is one way. I would say another thing is learning something new. I really got into gardening, you know, in that season when I was, especially because I think if you can learn something new and also consider, okay, this dream, this thing I thought I would be doing, whether that was being married, but then he changed his mind right before I thought we were going to get engaged or I was going to have a baby or I was going to be in this level of my career, but I'm not. Sometimes digging a little bit beneath the surface of what is the deeper desire underneath this specific dream that I have. So in my case, like I felt like the need or the desire to nurture had just been ripped away from me. And so I just started getting creative and I was like, okay, what are other ways that I can nurture and like, like speed that desire and a good desire, mm -hmm. even if it's not in the way I thought. So that's how I got into gardening. This was before safe family. So like I started gardening and my first garden was a total failure. I got four kale leaves. Like it was a disaster, but it wasn't a disaster in like the growth that it created in me and the healing that yeah. was for me learning something new. So I learned how to garden. I started reading books on like new things. Like I wanted to learn about how my body worked. And so I started reading about the endocrine system and I started reading different books about different things. I asked my dad to teach me to play poker. Cause I was like, I want to know why people like this, like teach me, um, learning something new, serving, considering the desire beneath the dream and trying to find ways to like tend to that desire, even if it's not in the way or the specific way, like if you want to get married and you feel lonely, then maybe the way you tend to that deeper desire is to get really plugged into deeper community or to really like you're, you're craving connection and like companionship ultimately, even though you obviously desire a specific dream, like a relationship. So those are just a few of the things. And I would say the last thing is um, consider the things you've always wanted to do. Have you always wanted to write a book? Have you always wanted to go to Europe? Have you always mm -hmm. wanted to, um, I don't know, breed puppies? Like, I don't know, whatever these like dreams or things that maybe you've just kind of felt like, well, maybe one day, like maybe this is your chance to do them. This is yeah. a time to like, that you can develop yourself. And I've had to lean into that. Like, okay, I'm going to end up being a really, I'm going to be an even better mom than I was going to be because I'm going to use this time. Like if, if that's the Lord's will, like I'm going to use this time to like develop me and to, you know, prepare and to go to therapy and to travel and to see, to do the things that will ultimately like make me a more well-rounded human being, whether or not I get the thing I think I want. So hopefully that's helpful, but those are just a few different things that you can be doing in your middle or your waiting or your boot camp season when you're like, 
kind of stuck between where you started and where you wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. Literally we have time for one more question, but then (laughs) before we dive into that question, I just want to say thank you for working with safe families. Safe families Mm -hmm. is so near and dear to, I know you have a mat, but I have a mat and my mat is so big on making safe families uh, like a pronounced uh, Mm -hmm. person organization here in Orange County, LA Mm -hmm. and San Diego. And so near and dear to my heart. So grateful for, Mm -hmm. for that. And, um, so I decided for season five producer, Madi doesn't even know this yet, but after every episode, I feel like I'm learning something from all the guests and it's been amazing. I'm going to do something based on what they said. And your Mm -hmm. friend said, I'm going to, I'm in a season of loneliness. And so I'm going to go to a convalescent home. I am going to partner with safe families here and Mm -hmm. they have a couple events locally um, that Mm -hmm. I've been invited to. And based on this conversation, Jordan, I'm just telling you I'm doing it. So thank you for Mm -hmm. you saying yes and stepping out because it's just inspiring me to say yes and step out. So as we wrap this up, I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes resistance is because we are so close Mm -hmm. and we just need to keep pushing. And then sometimes it's just a no. Mm-hmm. How do you know when it's time to let something go? Yeah, it's a good question. It's so hard because like you said, it can be, it can be both at times. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, this is just the enemy attacking, you know? And other times it's like, this is just not the right thing right now. Um, I actually, one story I didn't share, but it's in the book and I dive into it a lot more. But one thing that I did is I actually let go of my first business, which kind of became like my first ministry and what really like launched me into everything that I do now. And I felt like I was lacking so much clarity in what that was supposed to be that I just felt like I really wanted God to just like roll out a red carpet, tell me the answer. Instead, I got a, you need to step away from it for a while. I ended up getting to bring it back. Adversity can create clarity, huh? Um, but <laughs> he... Um, you know, that was something I felt so torn on for so long because I was like, this seems dumb on paper. It's working. It's popular. It's profitable. Why would I like close that? Why would I stop that? Some of the bigger things like, well, where are we going and why? Cause eventually that's going to catch up to us and that's not sustainable really prompted me to feel like I need to close this. And so what I feel like helps me a lot is identifying who you can seek counsel from that can, that is close enough to you and what you're doing, um, that they can understand where you're coming from, but kind of be like an objective wise third party. But I also say like limit that because I don't know if you're like me at all, but I tend to like talk myself into the ground where I'll just run it by everyone I possibly know and like have a million different conversations and never actually do the thing and make the hard decision. Um, And so whether that was selling the house or closing my business for a season or whatever, um, it really helped me to kind of identify that these are the five people I'm going to seek counsel from. And I want to see if they affirm what I'm saying, or if they're able to be like, no, actually, I really think that's what you're called to. And you just need to be consistent and and push through on this, you know? Um, And what was interesting is when I did that in both cases, I found that, you know, the majority, there was always one or two people who maybe had a different thought, but when the majority were the resounding majority was either affirming what I was saying or leading me in one direction or another, that to me felt like that was the affirmation I needed. So I think lean into the, to the close circle of trusted people you may have in your life or lean into wise mentors that you can find. Um, because sometimes getting other eyeballs on it can help us see kind of the forest through the trees, if you will, because it's so personal to us. It's so emotional. It's so close to us. We've been like persevering and pushing on something for so long. It can be hard to know, am I just like tired and weary or like fearful that I'm just going to keep failing or running into a brick wall. So I'm I'm feeling like I need to close it or is this actually wisdom and the voice of the Lord speaking into me? So, um, yeah, I think that's the number one thing I would say is like run it by some people that you trust and ask, but limit that to the decide ahead of time. I'm going to talk to these five people and if four out of five are telling me that they affirm what I'm thinking, 
then I'm going to go with the direction that I'm leaning toward. I love it. Jordan, you are one wise woman and you are so young and you've gone through a lot and you have made Mm -hmm. your days on earth count so beautifully. I'm so excited about your words, your words that are changing the world. Um, A link to your website, to your social media, to all the books and things that you are producing, as well as a link to Safe Families is going to be in the show notes. But Jordan, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. Grateful for your time and can't wait to see how this book and your words end up into the hands and hearts of so many people who are listening. Uh, Well, thank you. I so appreciate it. It's been a good to chat with you. Jordan has a heart of gold and I'm so excited for what is to come for her. I am so moved by this conversation that this week, yes, the timing is all hilarious to me. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. But this week, I'm participating in a national event for safe families. I want Jordan's life and words to reach beyond this podcast. And I know that she's impacted my life. But if you want more on the topic or you want to learn more about Jordan, you could check out her new book, Embrace Your Almost, or download her podcast anywhere that you stream your podcast. And will you do me a favor? Will you tag at Jordan Lee Dooley and at Bianca Oltoff with where you were listening to this podcast? We love seeing how uh, words and thoughts and actions are being changed through the podcast around the world. I can't wait to connect with you in the following couple of weeks. We have some amazing episodes, but until then, subscribe to this podcast on Access More or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And if you are feeling lovely, would you mind leaving a lovely review? It helps us get into more ears around the world. I love you, friend. Thanks for listening.